0: This is the Black and Blue Report presented by SeatGeek. Here are your hosts, Caroline Gonzalez and Ashley Amos.
1: Welcome into the Friday edition of the Black and Blue Report presented by SeatGeek. As always, I'm Caroline Gonzalez. I'm Ashley Amos. We have a great show planned for everyone today. We have Ashley Amos coming to us from the road, and then I will sit down in studio with NewOrleansSaints.com writer John DeShazer. We cover a lot of things. We cover uh, Saints free free agency, the moves that they've made so far, the pieces that they've gained and lost, uh, the NFL owners meetings that are happening at the, at the beginning of next week, and then we also talk about M- Max Unger, Mark Ingram, and, of course, LSU and Tulane Pro Days. Ashley, you're returning from the Pelicans road trip where they faced the Dallas Mavericks in an exciting overtime game, and then, of course, the not-so-exciting game against the Orlando Magic on Wednesday night.
0: Yeah, no, the Dallas game was definitely something, uh, uh, you know, considering what happened in the Phoenix game, it was definitely something, uh, you know, I I don't know if you would call it karma or, you know, getting back what... uh, kind of lost in the the Phoenix game, but definitely it was good to get that mojo back uh, to go into an overtime game and uh, get the W and come out with the victory. Uh, I think that was great for the guys. And a lot of the guys have family in Dallas, whether you looked at uh, Randall or Kenrich. Both of them have family from Dallas, originally from there. Both had incredible games. Um, And then you also have to credit Frank Jackson, who had that three pointer at the end to basically clinch the win. so, yeah, overall, that was, that was a pretty fun game. It, it didn't seem like it was going to be. It was kind of a weird vibe, you know, with Dirk and him breaking the record and right. passing Will up uh, to be, I believe, uh, to be on the all-time scoring uh, list. All he needed was four points, so that happened pretty quickly. But, um, yeah, overall, you know, the trip was – we're just not going to talk about the Orlando game. <laughs> um, for some reason, the Magic seemed to have this team's number this season, uh, The two, probably two of their – worst performances have come against the Magic uh, this season. So, uh, But other than that, you know, you're liking the development you're seeing from these young guys, the confidence that you've seen in Frank Jackson for him to kind of come into his own and to hit that shot at the end of the game. Uh, So definitely some improvement. Kenridge with that amazing feel at the end of the Dallas game. So, you know, overall, you've got to be pleased with what you're seeing from the young guys on the team
1: absolutely especially one of those guys Alfred Payton I mean he's had a a few years in the league but playing his best basketball as of right now five consecutive triple doubles joining good company of Russell Westbrook Wilt Chamberlain Michael Jordan Oscar Robertson it's funny that you uh, brought up Wilt Chamberlain when you talked about jerk because I feel like we talk about Wilt Chamberlain and we kind of talk about this like mystic creature who has like all of these records (laughs) and holds all of these uh, records in the NBA and he's just like if you surpass him you know it's a, it's a huge deal so uh, huge compliments to Alfred payton i think he is playing uh, as i said his best basketball and it's fun to see him out there doing his thing it's kind
0: of funny you said that because you know i forgot to mention him when i was speaking about it but it's almost how he's gotten to this point has been so sneaky mm-hmm. it's like you don't even expect it it's like all of a sudden he looks you turn around and he has another triple double and you're like wait what they <laughs> like how did this happen um but that just goes to show you it's the production out of a guy like him, and where you, you know, really the impressive number is the rebound. You know, you look at him, he's a small guy, uh, guard, you know, you don't see guards like him leading in the rebounds, and Julius Randle even joked that he was stealing some from him, <laughs> uh, but no, I mean, incredible performance, and it, you know, it's definitely, like I said, we, when we talked about the younger guys, that's obviously a highlight right now in this season, but then you have to look at this accomplishment by Alfred, and I mean, thank goodness for that because, you know, it's something positive to focus on. And and I think it's just giving you a glimpse into the future and what this team could be.
1: Another glimpse into the future is uh, Christian Wood. Uh, Ashley, Day. the Pelicans announced yesterday that they claimed him off waivers from the Milwaukee Bucks, um, a forward and center that the that the Milwaukee Bucks have been holding on to. He's been putting up great numbers for their G League team, Wisconsin Herd. Uh, you know, even the Greek freak talked about him on his Twitter. He said, I love his work ethic. You know, this guy's up next. So excited to, to see what he does in the future for this Pelicans organization. Not sure if we'll see him towards the end of this season, but we know that he'll be in. Uh, summer league for the Pelicans and through uh, training camp the beginning of next year. So excited to see what what he brings to this Pelican squad.
0: And, you know, like Alvin Gentry said last night, I don't know if this will be the last that we see of these acquisitions this season. He said, he mentioned in his post-game press conference last night that, you know, there would be potential, you know, maybe to make even more moves before the end of the season, which is kind of crazy to think because there's not that many games left. So, It'll be interesting to see how they use him and uh, will they throw him kind of into the fire right away or, uh, I mean, like I said, there's how many games left? I, where are we?
1: Eight, eight. maybe? Eight, yep, well, eight games, yeah. single and digits.
0: So, you know, not many games, but would love to see what he's like on the floor, how, you know, what can he do, how does he mesh with these guys, and um, definitely, you know, from what Jim Eichenhofer said uh, yesterday, our, our writer, he talked a lot about, how, uh, you know, he, he, I think he got to see him in summer league a little bit and was very impressed by uh, some of what he was doing. So excited to see what he can bring to the team and, um, you know, we'll see what see how it goes, I guess, these last days
1: actually one of the major projects that you were working on uh over this weekend along or over this week along with you know your game duties and things like that but um was the outside the prank outside the paint episode with frank jackson uh excited to see your work on that because those are always so good and promising but um you know it was funny i saw on his instagram that when he was in orlando he went to uh universal studios and they went to uh the harry potter thing Frank Jackson being a Harry Potter fan is so on brand. Like, I could not pinpoint him as anything else other than a Harry Potter uh, fan.
0: I, I was actually surprised. I think, like, half of our team is Harry Potter fans. <laughs> yeah. uh, almost everyone went to uh, Universal. I, unfortunately, did not. But um, almost all of them went to um, Harry Potter World. And you looked at the Jaleel Okafor story. Yeah. It was all It was all, you know, getting on the Hogwarts Yep. and Frank I think actually bought a wand so uh, he was all in <laughs> um, but yeah no I didn't get to ask him about it I meant to ask him about how it was but you could tell from his Instagram that he definitely enjoyed his time his his outside the pain is going to be one that I think is very unique in the sense that he you know comes from a unique background and you know as you know he is his family is a, a they are Mormon so that is unique to this league I think there's only one other player in the NBA. I believe uh, don't quote me on that but I believe there's only one <laughs> other player in the NBA. and then you also look at we happen to have Taysom Hill on the same side right. who's Mormon as well so um it was definitely interesting learning about that and hearing from his parents and why you know what they did with their children to um, instill this this kind of uh this innate feeling that you have to give back and that your purpose in life is to help others and uh, to live through God's light. And so I feel like this will definitely be a unique perspective and something that has been very educational for me and hopefully will be for the fans as well.
1: Well, Ashley, thanks. I look forward to that outside-the-paint interview with Frank Jackson. I'll let you get back to the road, pay attention, Uh, wishing you a safe journey, and uh, can't wait to see you back in the office next week. Absolutely, Caroline. All right, and as promised, uh, John DeShazer, NewOrleansSaints.com senior writer. I'm sure you've seen him all over the website. Uh, we I sat down with him on Thursday uh, before he headed out for Tulane Pro Day and LSU Pro Day. So uh, without further ado, John DeShazer. Here to talk a little Saints, we have NewOrleansSaints.com senior writer John DeShazer. John, I feel like I haven't seen you In about a week, which in the off season terms is a long time. So, hey, how are you?
2: That's not a long time. That's like, you know, dog years. So it's maybe like a leap year. So maybe it's like two days instead of six weeks. Okay, well, that was my
1: way of saying that I've (laughs) I've missed having you around. So if you're not going to reciprocate it, then you know what that is? That's
2: just you being in the office and, you know, not people not being in here. That's what that is. But I miss, I miss you too.
1: Yeah. I guess we're off to a hot start. Uh, into to, uh, talk a little new Orleans saints, a lot has happened since the last time, uh, we spoke and we talked about the saints. Sean Kelly talked with Trey Wingo on Wednesday. He talked a little about a bit about, uh, free agency in general, the saints. Um, but since that time, uh, like I said, a lot has happened. We've had Max Unger retire, which was, um, a shock to me. I don't know if that was necessarily a shock to you, um, and then we've had, you know, some signings, some people leave, and then uh, we want to talk about the NFL owners meetings coming up in the next week. So let's talk about Max Unger first, because like I said, that was um, kind of a shock to me. I know he's been, you know, in the league a while, uh, but how, do you, how did you feel about that when the news broke?
2: Yeah, I don't think anybody was expecting it. You know, now fortunately he had been in contact with the Saints during the off season, but nobody knew the extent to, you know, what he was talking about in terms of a lower body injury that he thought was going to require surgery and he wouldn't be able to work out during the off season. It was going to cost him and keep him behind. He had the same situation with a foot uh, injury and surgery a couple of years ago. But I don't think anybody saw anybody outside of the organization saw it coming. Mm-hmm. The coaching staff, again, he he was, you know, good enough to keep in contact with them. And I think it started really crossing his mind maybe a couple of weeks after the season. But I had no idea. You know, he was a Pro Bowl level player this year. So who right. saw it coming? But it really created a huge vacancy for the Saints on that offensive line because your center is basically your quarterback of the offensive line. So to lose him and to lose him that way uh, was shocking to us. But the Saints had a contingency plan. They knew uh, kind of sort of what was coming because they'd been in contact with him. So fortunately they were able to plug the hole fairly quickly with Nick Easton Now, is Nick Easton going to be able to fill Max Unger's cleats? Man, that's a tough ask. Mm -hmm. And even Nick Easton says, look, I'm not him. So, you know, I'm going to do the best that Nick Easton can as opposed to trying to be another Max Unger. So, you know, but that's going to be the level he's going to be judged at. And Max Unger was really good around here for almost 70 games, all starts. Uh, He was the centerpiece. Well, he turned out to be the centerpiece of the Jimmy Graham trade. Now, funny thing is, he was kind of a throw-in at the time because he was not, you know, completely healthy. Um, and Seattle, you know, gave the, the, the first-round pick, and that was kind of the, the jewel of it, and that became Stefan Anthony. But Max Lungard made that trade really good in the Saints' favor.
1: You talk about him being the quarterback of the offensive line. Do you think we're going to see, obviously Nick is coming into a program that he's not exactly familiar with. Do you think we're going to see guys like Teron Armstead and Larry Warford kind of have to step up on that offensive line because they were so good for the last few years? Do you think we're going to see these guys have to step up?
2: Well, somewhat, but I mean the center is still the centerpiece Mm. because he's got to be the guy who's in charge of the communication. So by, by force he has to be the leader of the offensive line just because, again, he's making the calls there. And so he's got to have a symbiotic relationship with Drew Brees. Uh, so better than that, you know, he, yeah, so he, he's going to have to be the quarterback of the offensive line. So even if he was a quiet guy, he'd have to step in and be the leader of that unit. It doesn't matter if he's the new guy or not. Now, yes, can Larry Warford and, and Teron Armstead give him pointers? Of course. But when it comes down to it and you're in game situations, the guy who's pointing out, you know, okay, you're picking up this and you're picking up that. That's going to be the center, mm-hmm. uh, and Drew Brees. So he's going to have to, he's going to have to be a leader, you know, almost by default.
1: Another guy that the Saints picked up in free agency was Latavius Murray. Now the Saints did lose Mark Ingram, um, which is, you know, it's, it's a tough loss for the Saints and obviously for the players on this team. Uh, we've heard time and time again that this locker room was so strong last year, and Mark Ingram, which we saw over the four-game suspension at the beginning of last season. <clears throat> excuse me, was a big part of that locker room and a big part of that energy. Um, but when you talk about Latavius Murray coming into this squad, what do you think he adds that maybe um, you're going to be missing uh, with Marking Ingram's absence? I
2: don't know. I mean, and that's another tough one. I mm-hmm. mean, first let's pour out a little something for Deuce Deuce because, I mean, he is the guy <laughs> who's going to be missed. Um, you know, the personality, the person that he was, the player that he was, and everything he gave to the franchise in the eight years. I mean, he really became – Uh, a a beloved figure in New Orleans and really, really admired in that locker room. But Latavius Murray Murray is a veteran. And what he's going to have to do is, you know, he's going to have to obviously be the guy who spells Alvin Kamara. Alvin Kamara is the the number one back on this team. And he was, you know, really as a rookie and his second year too, even though Mark and he kind of shared the the burden. But Latavius Murray's got to be able to handle those carries. He's got to be able to obviously um, operate in the passing game. He's got to be good in pass protection because Mark Ingram was really, really good and underrated in the pass protection. Uh, Mark made himself into a, a really good receiver also. And Latavius Murray, I think, has some of those qualities. Now, he's going to be probably the Saints' biggest running back since maybe Deuce McAllister. He's checking in at like 6'3 and 230, and that's huge for a running back. But he says he's a guy who, you know, he's a one-cut downhill runner, uh, I think that will benefit him in this in this Saints offense. I think the Saints offense uh, will help him uh, become a little bit more versatile because when, you, when you're running back in the Saints offense, you got to be versatile. You can't be out there and be one-dimensional. You can't have it to where the defense knows exactly what's coming when you're on the field. So I think he's going to be a positive addition. I hope he's going to be a positive addition because, you know, like Nick Easton with Max Unger, he's going to be a guy who's going to be compared to Mark Ingram. Mark was extremely productive the last – three, four seasons in this offense. So he's got some, you know, a pretty big role to fill. And, and I think he's up to the task, but I, you know, I guess it remains to be seen.
1: Let's say on the offensive side of the ball, uh, Teddy Bridgewater. Last week, we, we signed him back to a one-year deal. Um, he had the opportunity to go to Miami um, at, at a starting position, and he chose to continue to be a backup for Drew Brees here at the Saints. Why was it so important for the Saints to get Teddy Bridgewater and to get him back on this squad?
2: Well, if you think the Saints uh, need a quarterback of the future and you think the guys on the roster, it would be Teddy Bridgewater. Mm-hmm. Now, I know he's on a one-year deal, but you know that that'll change, you know, that'll change accordingly. But, you know, and then it was a huge credit to the Saints organization that Teddy Bridgewater said I would rather come back here and learn and be a backup for another year than start for Miami. Because really, you know, in a I don't want to say in a perfect world, but on paper if you look at the Saints, they're young enough at enough key positions, to where if Teddy Bridgewater or whoever takes over the quarterbacking in 2020, this still should be a ready-made playoff team. Mm-hmm. And so I'd much rather be in that situation than go to Miami and have you know be three, four, five years away from the playoffs. Now, did he leave some money on the table? Yeah, probably <laughs> because if somebody's asking you to be a starting quarterback then they're probably going to pay you accordingly. And maybe he would have had to, you know, hit some incentives, but as a starter, he they probably would have been fairly easy to re- reach incentives because he hadn't played. But still it says something about the culture of the team, about the locker room, um and the Saints basically bet on themselves and, and won because last year when they when they made the trade for Teddy Bridgewater, he was in the final year of his contract, he was going into free agency. And the Saints had to basically say to themselves, we have a good enough culture, we have a good enough team, we have a good enough atmosphere, we're going to treat him well enough to where when he becomes a free agent, he might be willing to take less to come back and stay and not play for one more year. Mm -hmm. And so it's really a credit to the organization, but it's also a credit to Teddy because Teddy could have taken the easy way out, and I think the easy way out is to take the money and go start. But he said, you know what, I'd rather be in a better situation where I'm happy where I got a chance to win, uh, then take something else. So, you know, really uh, worked out well for both sides.
1: And he has a chance to learn. I mean, you're going to learn something incredible if you're in the same quarterback room as Drew Brees and, you know, Taysom Hill, who who knows if he's going to come back mm-hmm. as a quarterback this year or if he's going to come back as a tight end or, you know, yeah, uh, whatever absolutely. position. Really,
2: really good, good quarterback room, I mean. I think Teddy Breach I – th- I think Teddy likes he, – he likes the whole atmosphere. Mm-hmm. He likes the whole thing. And, yeah, you mentioned he's getting a chance to learn from Drew again. And that can never be a bad thing. So, you know, I, I think he, when, it, when it's time for him to start again, I think he'll be ready.
1: A position I'm really curious about is the wide receiver position because the Saints tried to address um, a a compliment to Michael Thomas all year. You had Traquan Smith, who did who did great as a rookie. Um, we had Cameron Meredith, who got hurt midway through the season. You had Des Bryant, who got hurt before he even played a game. Um, so do you think the Saints try to address a wide receiver in free agency? Do you think they that it's something they address in the draft? Where do you see the Saints making their move?
2: It might have to be in the draft. Now, let's not forget also, though, Ted Ginn, Jr. Mm. When Ted Ginn, Jr. was healthy, this offense was different. And when he was out, I think, you know, he was out an extended period of time. In the first two, three weeks, the Saints were kind of, you know, still shock and awe with people. But then, you know, def- defenses kind of, you know, caught up to him, and they were like, okay, we, we, we kind of got this, and I think we can cover him differently. But when Ted Ginn, Jr. came back later in the season for the playoffs – and at the end of the regular season, the offense, again, became more dangerous because of his speed. But they've got to have that guy who can take the top off. they got to have that guy who can run. That's Ted Jr. Um, I don't know if that guy is out there anymore in free agency. Um, but certainly there are some guys who are worth looking at. But it might be the situation where they have to address that in the draft. Um, but they're going to need, I think, another guy. Now, Cameron Meredith, let's remember, was injured most of last year. Mm-hmm. So, does he come back and be uh, fairly explosive? Uh, There's, you know, rumors that Des Bryant might, be, you know, be coming back. You know, how much juice does he have left? Uh, what are the what are the improvements that a Keith Kirkwood or Traquan Smith make? You know, because there should be a significant jump between year one right. and year two. And on top of that, you know, we're hearing that the Saints, you know, may be closing in on a deal with tight end Jared Cook. Who is a pass catching specialist at tight end, and that would also aid uh, the the passing game. So, you know, a lot of a lot of things are in motion right now. But in terms of the guys who are actually on the roster right now, you know, you hope Cam Meredith is going to be healthy and get some explosiveness. You hope Troy Quan Smith is going to make a huge jump between year one and two. You hope Keith Kirkwood continues to improve because you know you have to you have to look at it from the standpoint of. There need, you feel like there needs to be an addition there, but if you can't, what improvements can you get in-house? Mm-hmm. So hopefully the guys in-house will make significant jumps, some of them.
1: On the defensive side of the ball, uh, Alex Okafor no longer with the Saints. He went to the Chiefs. Um, You know, a promising guy who is kind of the bookend for Cameron Jordan this year. Uh, We do have Marcus Davenport who went through, you know, surgery at the end of the season, but he showed promise in his rookie season. Uh, Should be fine coming into this year. Uh, And then you sign Mario Edwards Jr. and Malcolm Brown at defensive tackle. Um, do you think the Saints are going to try to um, address that position anymore? Or do you think they're kind of done on the defensive line, uh, on the defensive line front?
2: Well, you can't ever have too many good defensive ends or defensive linemen. So, you know, and and, and really, when you're talking about Malcolm Brown, it's good to have him. But a lot of that is dealing with Sheldon Rankins with the ruptured Achilles, Mm -hmm. and and he probably won't be ready for quite some time and deeper into the regular season. So you have to have somebody else there. Uh, Tyler Davidson remains in free agency. If he doesn't return, uh, that takes another guy to that defensive tackle rotation. But really at defensive end, this is the year, you know, you hope Marcus Davenport again. From year one to year two, you want to see him make that jump. Now you saw some flashes out of him, and he looks like he can be really – really good, but he's going to have to be healthy. Mm -hmm. Um, He's got a year under his belt. So now he understands a little bit more about the NFL game. And he was saying, you know, some of the things that he he improved on as the season went on was, you know, counter moves to his strengths, uh, learning how to deal with his weaknesses and try to make them into strengths, if not strengths, at least, you know, shore them up to where they weren't so glaring as weaknesses. So he should make a jump. And I, I would think Mario Edwards Jr. should have an opportunity to make an impact because a lot of things on this defensive line depend on Cameron Jordan. And Cam Jordan on the field gives other guys opportunities mm-hmm. because he is such a force. He forces you know extra attention to him, and that way guys get one-on-one uh, opportunities and, and they're able to make plays. So Mario Edwards Jr. probably in a really good position. Um, Mar- Marcus Davenport in a good position. And let's not forget when the Saints get into some rush situations, Cam Jordan can just, you know, pop inside and play a little defensive tackle also. And also Trey Hendrickson remains on this team. So, right. you know, there's there are some opportunities there. It'll be interesting to see what happens. Really, uh, Sheldon Rankin's – but the defensive tackle situation to me is, is really paramount with Sheldon Rankin's having that surgery and we're not exactly sure when he's going to come back. So Malcolm Brown's going to get the opportunity there. We don't know exactly what's going to happen with David on Yamada because, you know, he might possibly be subjected to a leak suspension. We mm-hmm. don't know that yet. And if so, then the depth there is really gutted somewhat. There is Taylor Stallworth, who was a rookie last year, who'll be back to play some snaps. So, you know, that's a, that's a fluid situation also.
1: I'm interested to see what happens with um, special teams as well, because obviously you bring in two new special teams coaches. We signed back uh, Craig Robertson, Chris Banjo, two huge elements for the special teams team, but you lose Tommy Lewis Jr., or uh Tommy Lee Lewis, excuse me. Um punt return, you know, we saw Taysom Hill and Alvin Kamara return some punts last year, but um is that do you think that's a position that the Saints are going to have to look at this year or they'll kind of just worry worry about it when it comes?
2: No, they've been looking for a punt returner for a couple of years now. Mm-hmm. Um you don't want really you don't want Alvin Kamara to have to do it. Right. His his workload on offense is heavy enough. You don't want him to have to do it. So losing Tommy Lee Lewis hurts from that aspect, but they need to find somebody who can return punts. Uh, returning kicks is not so paramount because you know all, there are so many touchbacks now, and Taysom Hill handles that responsibility for the most part. Uh, but you know it, it'll be, you know that's always I think the last two, three, four years the Saints have been looking for a guy to return punts. Actually, they've probably been looking for a guy to, to return punts and kicks since Darren Sproles left the <laughs> building. To be honest with you, I mean there hasn't been a consistent threat there, so finding one has been difficult to do. Hopefully uh, this will be the offseason that they can find one. But, you know, I know they don't want Alvin Kamara doing it heavy, heavy duty. That just, you don't want to put him in those situations because he takes enough of a beating at running back.
1: Um, let's move on to NFL owners meetings, uh, enough about free agency and the draft. So you are going to be heading to uh, NFL owners meetings at the beginning of this upcoming week. That'll be in Phoenix, Arizona. There are 11 proposed rule changes uh, going into these meetings. Now the committee will present all their proposals uh, at this at these meetings. All 32 team owners and coaches will be there. 24 of the 32 teams have to approve uh, on the rule in order for it to change. So so, like I said, there are 11, but just a few I wanted to pick out and talk to you about. Uh, the first one: a proposal to allow both teams at least one overtime possession. Uh, your thoughts on that? I think it's reasonable. Um, I don't think I, I'm kind of surprised that it hasn't happened before. But w- what are your thoughts on that? Well,
2: I, I I don't. I think it's reasonable, but I don't necessarily know that that one will pass because if we're if the NFL is into the player safety phase then there are more snaps and more opportunities for players to get injured. And to be honest with you, I feel like, you know, over time, look, if the team is capable of, you know, taking possession, going out and scoring a touchdown, hey, sudden death. Mm-hmm. That, that's what it is. Right. Now, otherwise, you're talking about essentially, I guess, going to the college rules. And, and, how, do you, and how do you do it? So, okay, suppose uh, both teams get a possession, both teams kick a field goal. And what well, you keep going, and you keep you know what's the what's the resolution here? And I, I guess that's the, that, that is the resolution. You keep going, and then you know, but with the time condensed now, in overtime, and the time was condensed. Why player safety? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it was yeah. condensed. It was cut down to what ten minutes in overtime instead of fifteen. So I don't know if that one. I don't know if that one's going to fly. I think it's a good idea. Uh, I know Kansas City was a little bit peeved. You know, Kansas City was, was the team that was most affected by that last year Kansas in the playoffs. Kansas
1: City has at least like seven or eight of these proposals. Yeah, rule and,
2: and KC was basically saying, if we had gotten our hands on the ball with Patrick Mahomes, we feel like we would have scored mm-hmm. and we would have had a chance. But, you know, since they scored a touchdown, we're not able to, you know, get a chance to, you know, go back at them. So, but I, 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 I'd, I'd, I'd actually be a little bit surprised if that one went. I, I'm not saying I know anything from the inside, but I'd be a little surprised if that one went
1: another one that we don't really have to elaborate on but the elimination of overtime per, for preseason. I get that because it's preseason, nobody it. really cares but to, <laughs> the point get I wanted to it. talk about was, wouldn't you want to see players and how they respond and how they play, especially for those tryout guys how, that you don't really know what they're going to do, wouldn't you want to see how they perform in an overtime scenario?
2: Yeah, I mean, because uh, it's, it's preseason I, I say get rid of it because again we talk, we, if we're talking about player safety, mm-hmm. that's what we're talking about, and the evaluation process yeah, it gives you more game film, but but let's be real here. You you got practice all week, and coaches, I believe, and staffs have a pretty good idea of the guys who are going to stick. You know, I don't know if you need an overtime period. You know, unless a guy returns a kickoff for a touchdown in overtime, and then you're like, oh, he showed me a little something I didn't expect there. But you know, again, if we're talking about the interest of player safety, and even though you have you know 90 players in training camp rather than 53 during the regular season. And those players probably want those snaps. You know, if we're talking about player safety, then I I, I don't know if that one's going to fly.
1: Well, all 11 proposed rule changes are online, but I'm not going to go over all of them. But most of the rest that I wanted to address are ones that have to do with the replay system. Obviously, this affects the Saints kind of on a personal level because of the NFC Championship game.
2: But interestingly, inter- interestingly enough, yes. the Saints aren't authors of any of them. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So.
1: I thought that was pretty interesting too. I think Sean Payton's kind of like, you know what, listen, y'all know what the deal is, y'all know that we want this change, so I'm going to let someone else come forward with it. Yeah,
2: and and that's encouraging for the Saints that other teams thought enough of it to say, you know what, we saw what happened to the Saints and we'll make these proposals. So I, I, you know, a lot of these that have to do with replay, I think will get real serious consideration. Now I know uh coach payton was saying you know what you want to avoid is the repercussions that you really hadn't considered so you don't want to have the you know something that happens and you say you know what when we were considering this rule change we didn't really consider this so right. deep deliberations on all of them but some of them to me are kind of no brainerish.
1: yep so the one I, I wanted to touch on was that uh adding review of personal fouls uh called or not called on the field as plays subject to coaches challenge in the instant replay system
2: uh, yeah I'm all in. Go ahead. I'm all in. <laughs> so I you mean, approve? <laughs> yeah, I'm all in. I mean, I'm all in. I mean, you know, we're talking about reviewing personal fouls. We're not talking about reviewing holding calls. Mm-hmm. We're not talking about reviewing, um, you know, um, uh, illegal procedures. We're right. talking about, you know, egregious penalties, personal fouls, and I think those should be plays that are reviewable.
1: Add review of designated player safety-regulated fouls called or not called on the field as plays subject to coaches' challenge in the instant replay system. That was presented by Panthers, Rams, Eagles, and Seahawks. The most presented uh, rule change. Yeah,
2: and played. and I'm you know and the Saints were affected by that a couple of times last year. Mm-hmm. Alvin Kamara took a couple of helmet-to-helmet shots that weren't called. Took one against Dallas that turned out to be critical. Uh, took one in another game. I can't remember exactly which game, but it turned out to be critical also. Uh, so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm in favor of that. I mean, the, the, what you don't want is for the game to slow to a crawl mm-hmm. because of, you know, a myriad of challenges. But if you can keep the flow going – And you can do it fairly quickly. And I think these can be done fairly quickly. Most of these are pretty clear calls Then I think they're they're worth instituting.
1: Now, one that isn't, you know, uh, one of the 11 on the proposed rule changes, but something that everyone is talking about, about the owner's meeting is adding a sky judge to NFL games. Now, we saw this in the Canadian League. We saw this a little bit in the AAF. Um, What is your thoughts on that? Because obviously, if you talk about the NFC championship game, you talk about if you have a sky judge and you have, someone who says listen guys I know you might not have seen that on the on the field because again we're humans it happens um, but this was a clear clear play that you should have called Uh, what are your thoughts on adding a sky judge and do you think that there was enough motivation from the events last year that could could cause this to happen
2: I think it is a fantastic idea I think um, there's nothing wrong with Borrowing, stealing, using a mm-hmm. fantastic idea, no matter where it came from, whether it was CFL or AAF. And I think, it's, I think it's certainly in situations that are as egregious as that, a sky judge would be very, very beneficial. Because look, we're talking about a play that changed history. NFL history. <laughs> and I know those plays don't happen all the time. But the opportunity to pre- to prevent that kind of mishap, you've got to explore that. And I, and I think you've got to make sure that you do something to be able to avoid that. And a sky judge would allow you to be able to avoid that. because You can't have that happen to another franchise. Mm-hmm. That's got to be a one-time deal. And even a one-time deal, still, Saints fans, you know, here in New Orleans, you'll be talking about it 25, 30 years oh, from now yeah. because – You only get so many opportunities to make the Super Bowl. You know, every team in New England going every year or every (laughs) other year, you know, when you get the opportunity, you got to seize it because each and every year is different. Each and every team is different. That Saints team from 2018 will never be together again, ever. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, coaches leave, players leave, all that kind of stuff. So that magic can never happen again. And they had an opportunity to have that magic to go to the Super Bowl and to win a Super Bowl and it evaporates on a missed call. So I think you do everything you can as the NFL to make sure that that never, ever happens again.
1: Of course, I think that is going to be the headline of this year's owners meetings, because again, you're going to have Mrs. Benson, who has clearly spoken about the audacity of that rule and the fact that nobody really said anything for quite some time. And still, nobody has really said anything of significance regarding that play. Um, So I think obviously we're going to see that as a headline for this year. Are there any rules or um, changes that you're surprised weren't on the list this year or that you'd like to see?
2: No, I mean those are pretty much the ones. I, I thought those were. I think it's a well thought out list. Uh, I thought it was really uh, well done, and I think they're going to do their due diligence on it. And I, and I, again, I can't, I can't imagine most of these rules, you know, when it, when it comes to replay, not being in a situation where you know they're going to be voted up. I, I just can't see it because again, teams franchises owners have seen what happened to the saints last year. And a lot of it is, you know, there, but for the, but for the grace of God, go I. Mm -hmm. So, you know, basically that could be me. And I don't think anybody wants to be in that situation.
1: Right. Well, J.D., you're a busy guy. Uh, I won't keep you too much longer. You do have some events going on this week. You have Tulane pro day today uh, on Thursday when we're recording this, and then you have LSU pro day tomorrow, bright and early at 8. AM. Um, I've never been to a pro day. Uh, What are some things that you look for? I mean, you've been doing this a long time. What are some things that you look for uh, out of these pro days that you aren't necessarily looking for at the combine? Is there a difference? Or Nothing. Nothing? I mean, because, I mean,
2: (laughs) you know, the guys are running the 40. Right. uh, You know, you might get a chance to see some guys bench press and that kind of thing. But, I mean, really, it's – I hate to say it this way, but guys can – can really cater their athleticism and their skills to these situations. You know, you practice running a 40, uh, you practice uh, your bench press, you can practice the shuttle runs and that kind of stuff. But, you know, to me it always goes back to what do you see from a guy on film? Mm -hmm. You know, if a guy runs uh, a 4-3 in a pro day, and he can't really escape people when he's got pads on how much good does it do you that he can run fast in a straight line but he has no elusiveness you know because alvin kamara probably in the fastest 40 guy in the world but you don't see alvin kamara get tackled by one guy right you know so those are the things that you see on film that you won't see in a pro day you know when guys are out there throwing against air and (laughs) people are saying man he really looked good he's got a lively arm nobody's bearing down on him he's standing in one spot There's no resistance. You know, what's happening when a defensive end is coming at his blind side or a defensive tackle is in his face, and he's got to make that throw under duress. That's what you see from game film. So this is an opportunity more so for players to get a chance to interview with teams and coaches and and personnel men and that kind of thing, get a chance to talk to them more than that. To me, I I, I don't want to say I don't put any stock into the drills, but it's hard for me to put a lot of stock into them.
1: Mm Well, J.D., good luck today at uh, Pro Day. Good luck tomorrow at LSU. We wish you luck and a safe drive. Thank you so much for talking to me, and uh, look forward to seeing you after the owners' meetings.
2: Yeah, I'm looking forward to it.
1: Big thanks to J.D. for joining me on today's show. We wish him luck at the NFL owners' meeting uh, this next week. A reminder, the Pelicans play on Sunday against the Houston Rockets. They'll be coming to town Uh, James Harden, Chris Paul, that game will tip off at 6 p.m. It is Pelicans Dance Team Night. The first 5,000 fans in attendance will receive a Pelicans Dance Team poster, so make sure you go online to pelicans.com, get your tickets, or call 504-525-HOOP. Uh, The Pelicans are home for the next week and a half. They have eight games remaining in the season, so make sure you get your tickets now. Come to the Smoothie King Center before the end of the season. Again, big thanks to John DeShazer. Thanks to Ashley Amos for joining me from the road. We look forward to speaking to everyone next week. Look forward to seeing everyone on Sunday as well. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next Friday.